this is Mike Linstead, president and co-founder of the Nehemiah Project. You are listening to the Nehemiah Project podcast, where we replace hopelessness with hope. Well, today we are going to begin a new series on the book of First Corinthians. And as usual, I'm here with Pastor Chad. Chad, how you doing? Doing good. Excited to dive into this letter. Yes. It's very uh, culturally relevant for us, I'll say. Indeed it is. First Corinthians is a wonderful book. It is a letter that was written by the Apostle Paul. Actually, uh, it is highly believed, or I should say it's widely believed, that this was the first letter ever written that we have in the New Testament. So, meaning that it was written before any other book of the New Testament. Chad, do I have that correct? Yeah, I think it's one of the earlier letters. It is. And so that's very uh, just an interesting little historical tidbit to know that this letter was written before all the other books in the New Testament. So um, if I remember correctly, it was written around 40, between 40 and 50 AD, which would place it less than 20 years after the death of the Lord Jesus Christ, because mm-hmm. uh, the Lord died in either 30 or 33 AD, which is kind of confusing if you think AD is just after death, but... You know, it's, it is what it is. Yeah. And so this was written within, like I said, 20 years of the Lord's death and resurrection, mm. which is going to be very important when we get to the 15th chapter of this book, where Paul says that the Lord appeared to 500 people at the same time, most of whom are still alive, he says. Yeah. So this book is full of correction. Mm-hmm. Paul wrote this letter primarily to rebuke the Corinthian church for a lot of things, um, as we're going to see. Now, the the name Corinth really was something that became synonymous with moral corruption. Uh, to quote-unquote Corinthianize someone uh, really meant that you were, you were using a word that represented them as being involved in gross immorality and drunken debauchery. Mm-hmm. Uh, Corinth was a large, large port city. It had a lot of commerce going on within it and a lot of business travel going through it. Uh, And so there was a lot of, it was kind of a melting pot of culture, if you will. Mm. If you'd imagine like uh, Las Vegas meets San Francisco meets Los Angeles meets New York kind of thing, right? Just all of the great things and all of the disgusting things of of big city life met and uh, were present in Corinth. And one of the uh, primary sort of uh, draws of the city was the temple of Aphrodite, the Greek goddess of love. Some 1,000 priestesses, uh, I think I said that right, uh, who were essentially just religious prostitutes, they lived and worked in the temple of Aphrodite and they would come down from the Acropolis, which was the highest point in the city of Corinth, and they would come down into the city in the evening to offer their services to the male citizens and foreign visitors that would be visiting the city of Corinth. So needless to say, it was a pretty debauched place. Mm. So Paul wrote this letter, 1 Corinthians, to correct the behavior that was going on in the church that he had started there. And so there are quite a lot of things that we're going to be discussing over the next, I don't know, maybe year that we're in this book. It's going to be a long time. We'll try to move somewhat quickly through it. But we're going to touch some of the more controversial topics of today, uh, some of the things concerning spiritual gifts, uh, other things concerning male uh, leadership within the church, uh, immorality within the church, fornication, cohabitation, etc. 
And so um, needless to say that this book was um, confrontational during its time, and it still is today. Um, and so without further ado, let's get into it, shall we, Chad? Let's do it. We're going to read the entire first chapter today, and then we will uh, <clears throat> make some comments, okay? So, Chad, why don't I read uh, the first nine verses, and then you read verses 10 through 17, and then I'll finish us off. All right. <clears throat> Okay, verse 1 in chapter 1 says, Paul, called by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus and our brother Sosthenes, to the church of God that is in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints together with all those who in every place call upon the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, both their Lord and ours. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I give thanks to my God always for you because of the grace of God that was given you in Christ Jesus, that in every way you were enriched in him, in all speech and all knowledge, even as the testimony about Christ was confirmed among you, so that you are not lacking in any gift as you wait for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ, who will sustain you to the end guiltless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. I appeal to you, brothers, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree that there are no divisions among you, but that you be united in the same mind and the same judgment. For it has been reported to me by Chloe's people that there is quarreling among you, my brothers. What I mean is that each one of you says, I follow Paul, or I follow Apollos, or I follow Cephas, or I follow Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? I thank God that I baptized none of you except Crispus and Gaius, so that no one may say that you were baptized in my name. I did baptize also the household of Stephanus. Beyond that, I did not know where I baptized anyone. For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, and not with words of eloquent wisdom, <clears throat> lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power." For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and the discernment of the discerning I will thwart. Where is the one who is wise? Mm. Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world did not know God through wisdom, it pleased God through the folly of what we preach to save those who believe. For Jews demand signs, and Greeks seek wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and folly to Gentiles. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. For consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many of you were powerful. Not many of you were of noble birth, but God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. And God chose what is low and despised in the world, even the things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. And because of him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption, so that as it is written, let the one who boasts boast in the Lord. <clears throat> well, that is the entire first chapter, and Paul gets right into it. Uh, what we see in the first nine verses is essentially the standard welcome, right? The greetings mm -hmm. in verses one through three. But then in verses four through nine, 
Paul basically describes what the calling of Christ is and the benefits of sainthood are, right? He says in verse 4 that the grace of God has enriched them in every way. Enriched literally means to be made wealthy. The grace of God has made them wealthy in every way, but specifically in verse 5, they were enriched in all speech and in all knowledge, even as the testimony about Christ was confirmed among them. That word for testimony means something evidential or evidence giving or evidence given. Mm -hmm. So in other words, what Paul is saying is that even though the Corinthians were quite wealthy in a material sense, they have been made abundantly wealthy in the spiritual sense because they have been given the grace of God in the Lord Je- in, the, in found in the Lord Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. And they have been given every single thing that they need for life and for godliness through those promises that are all a yes and amen in Christ. And even more specifically than that, they have been given everything they need in order to speak about Christ mm-hmm. and to know Christ. Okay, so this is very important because Paul is is going to launch into his first correction that he has to mm-hmm. make which is found in verses 10 all the way through the end of the chapter. And these are the divisions that are in the church. And so Paul is telling them, look, brothers and sisters, you have everything you need in Christ. Mm -hmm. So remember that. And I have to make one comment on verse 8, Chad, before we move into the rest. This is so good. Verse 8 says that Christ will sustain you till the end, guiltless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. That word for sustain can be translated confirm as well, Mm -hmm. but it means literally to stabilitate. It comes from a root word, which means the foot. So in other words, Christ will stabilize you and keep you on the path of life until glory, right? Mm -hmm. Until you die, Christ is able to keep you blameless in the sight of God because of what he has accomplished on the cross in our stead. Jude verse 24 says it this way. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy to the only God, our Savior, through our Lord Jesus Christ, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority. So you see, Christian, you have to understand that Paul is speaking to a debauched group of people. And there's a reason why he's starting his letter off with this. We have to know that it is not our righteousness that makes us acceptable before God. Now, That does not negate the fact that we need to focus on slaying our sin in the power of the Spirit of God. It does not remove our responsibility, in other words, to live a life worthy of the calling that we have received. But what he is doing is he's setting up the reality. Uh, What I mean by that is that he's giving them the true source of hope right off the bat, because this is going to be a hard letter, Mm -hmm. okay? And what he's saying is we need to remember Christ in whom we have been given the treasury of heaven and in who uh, our hope is found and our righteousness is found in him. Any comments before we go on to the next section, Chad? Well, and I, I love how Paul starts this letter off. Um, obviously, he's an apostle and the Holy Spirit's writing this through him. But <clears throat> he begins with <clears throat> what's most important. And really, his beginning statement here about Christ is the very basis by which he's about to debunk all the arguments and all the things that they're doing. Mm. Um, Because in this culture, as we'll see, this culture is a very affluent culture, a very um, diverse culture. 
being a port city and a lot of trade and a lot of different uh, nations coming in, a lot of different pagan religions right. happening here, a lot of worldly thought and idealisms here. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that's common within, especially within um, Greek culture, was philosophers and yes. different philosophers having different philosophies and having followers of those philosophies. And you see some of that um, rubbing off here and mm-hmm. I follow Apollos or I follow Paul or I follow Christ. Mm-hmm. And Paul's about to break that argument apart based upon what he just said is it is Christ who sustains yeah. you. Yeah, It is Christ who is the one who saved us all. He's Lord of all. There is no such thing as a different person to follow. It's not, right. it's, this is not an idealism. This is the truth. Right. Right. And he's going to be really honing in on this first statement to debunk not only the division, but also the wisdom of the world. So good. And yes, it, what Paul immediately launches into is is just destroying <clears throat> the Corinthians' tendency to follow people rather than to follow Christ. Right. They, they essentially were placing undue importance on who they followed rather than on the message mm-hmm. of the cross, which is all that Christians have. Right. We have the message of the cross, which attached to that is Christ, right? right? And so th- that is what Paul is r- reminding them of. And I think the same tendencies are in our culture, too, to, yeah. to follow certain pastors or mm-hmm. celebrity pastor or certain church or certain movement. Mm-hmm. And that's a ridiculous notion mm-hmm. because th- no man has anything to offer. Yeah. Christ is the Savior. Any pastor or leader or, or church should be preaching, teaching, and pointing to Christ alone Yes, in all things. Yes, so. Yeah, and it is inherent in human nature to yeah. to want to follow other people. Mm-hmm. Uh, we we idolize we idolize mm-hmm. things and people, um, and Paul is just reminding them uh, in like you mentioned their heavily philosophized culture. Yeah, um, you know, it wasn't it wasn't but a couple of hundred years before this that Aristotle was alive, mm-hmm. and Aristotle. Um, the great philosopher, like the father of Greek philosophy, right. um, was actually uh, influencing heavily Alexander the Great, which uh, if you know anything about this time of history, Alexander the Great conquered all the Mediterranean, this whole area, right? Mm-hmm. And he spread this, this Greek influence everywhere. And this right. is where we get the word, you know, Hellenization. Um, Hellas means Greek in Greek. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or Hellas means Greeks in Greek. And so anyways, Greek philosophy was alive and thriving during this time, yeah. you know? And so it was very, very pervasive, just like it is today, actually, mm-hmm. in, in the American and Western culture. Yeah, absolutely. Your philosophy class, if you took one in oh, yeah. college, was all about the Greek philosophers and, yeah. and the, yeah. through the ages. Yeah. And so um, <clears throat> Paul is going to just attack that right off the bat. And so in verses 10 through 17, he begins to do that. And in verse 17... He really, really begins his argument here. First, he just addresses the problem in 10 verses 16, uh, verses 10 through 16. But then he begins to launch into it in verse 17, where he says, For Christ didn't send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel. And not with words of eloquent wisdom, mm-hmm. not like you philosophers. Uh, it's not about uh, being a good, uh, you know, having good rhetoric or being a rhetorician. Right or, ha- or being a good philosophizer, it's about mm. preaching the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, and the reason why he says it, specifically not with words of eloquent wisdom is because he doesn't want to empty the cross of Christ of its power. And this is like this speaks to something fundamental about the gospel. It's all God. 
it's no man. Like it's not mm-hmm. about us, right? It's about what God did mm-hmm. in redeeming us, right? We are included, but we are not the central, the center of the story, right? Um, so he, he launches into his argument, verses 18 through the, the rest of the chapter. And just a couple of interesting notes here. Now, the word for foolishness, where he says, uh, uh, the, for the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. That word for folly uh, literally is the word morea, which is where we get the English word moronic. Mm-hmm. So to unbelievers, it's just silly. It's stupid. Like literally it's dumb. That's right. what the word means. It's absurd. What do you mean? Uh, a, a Jew could be nailed to a cross and killed as a, as a, uh, a terrorist and right. that's God. And right. somehow his death is supposed to count for your death. This is stupid. Get it out of here. I mean, that's the thrust behind what mm-hmm. Paul is saying. It's moronic, right? This right. is what the world still thinks today. No, you don't. Surely you don't believe in those fairy tales. I mean, these are these are children's stories meant to teach good morals, right? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's just stupid, right? Well, I would say that if that is your argument, you need to look a little deeper. Mm-hmm. There is way more evidence than you may realize to actually point to the validity of these quote unquote children's stories as right. being historically accurate. Mm-hmm. And Absolutely. so Paul, so Paul launches into what it is that will unite these mm-hmm. divided Christians. It is right. the word of the cross. Mm-hmm. And he, when he transitions over to verse 18, he says, for the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, which is really a, a condemning statement to the believers here, ones who have claimed to believe in Christ. Because if, if the word of the cross is folly to you, meaning you're not holding it as the as Christ is Lord and the absolute truth, that it's just a philosophy that it's that it shows that you are perishing. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. But to us who are being saved, it's the power of God, for it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and the discernment of the discerning I will thwart. That the way of God, the wisdom of God is upside down or a completely opposite from the wisdom and the way of the world. The way of the world is predicated upon a extreme self-focus or pride, mm-hmm. right? It begins with yourself. The reason why we're all we all have this tendency to follow other people, it's really for selfish reasons, right? Things that benefit you, things that sound good to you, and that could lead to a pros- prosperous life for you. Yeah. Whereas the cross says, "Die to yourself." <laughs> that it's not about you; that it's about God. Because God is the creator and it's about his glory, not yours. Mm-hmm. And so for for the one who is blinded by their sin and prideful and not wanting to submit to a holy God, the idea of giving up your life or giving up pursuing the things in this life for selfish gain is foolish to the, to the non-believer. It, it's moronic. It's absurd. Right. That's what he's literally saying. But to God, you know, but to the believer... It's true wisdom because God is the creator right? who set everything in motion and has ordered everything and his plan will come about as evidence through the cross that they mm-hmm. should know at this point. And so everything in this world will at one point be destroyed. No one will not bend the knee to Christ. It's just mm-hmm. whether or not you'll bend the knee as Lord or you'll bend the knee 
in in hell mm -hmm. one way or another we've been Do it willingly or unwillingly right and so that's where it means where it'll destroy the wisdom of the wise like those who think themselves wise just because you don't think that there is a god or want to believe that there is a god does not mean that god does not exist and that he's not in right. charge right we could do so much just on this section, but I do want to hit a couple more points. Mm -hmm. We'll try to keep these uh, weekly snippets of encouragement short, but we probably <laughs> won't end up doing that. Yeah. And that's okay. Uh, so staying on our section here in verses 18 through uh, 31, specifically I want to focus on verses 20 um, down through 25, okay? So I'll mm -hmm. read it again. He says, Where is the one who is wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the, of this world, he, he, now he's using the same mm -hmm. word. H hasn't God made your wisdom moronic? Mm -hmm. Isn't your wisdom actually absurd? Right. When you think about it, what you just said, Chad, illustrates that. Mm -hmm. Man in his reasoning capacity has a tremendous capacity. Let, let's, right. not, let's not kid ourselves. Um, and the reason why is because we we're made in the image of God. But the issue is, is that our, our reasoning capacity is completely flawed. It's broken because of sin, right? right? So God has um, made the wisdom of this world just moronic. Um, he says, for since in the wisdom of the world, uh, sorry, for in the wisdom of God, the world did not know God through wisdom. It pleased God through the foolishness of what we preach to save those who believe. Well, what he's saying here is, is that human reason is clearly broken that's implied in this mm -hmm. and that you cannot come to understand god know god and you surely cannot comprehend god in human reason alone mm -hmm. right we we cannot uh for another way to say that is look up at the universe and deduce the god of the bible from looking at the universe right mm -hmm. general revelation will never lead you to special revelation right and god has set it up this way it pleased him it says <laughs> it pleased God through the folly of what we preach to save those who believe. You know, that, that moronic message that the Christians preach, that, that absurd claim that, that this terrorist, this Jewish terrorist was God and that his, his, somehow his death is, is counted unto me. Well, that's exactly how God wanted to set it up. Mm. <laughs> Why? So that no human being may boast in the presence of God. That's what yeah. it says in verse 30. No human being gets to boast. Why? Because it's all God and it has nothing to do yeah. with your reasoning capacity or whom you choose to follow. <clears throat> In fact, you should leave all that right now. Mm -hmm. Now, you can surely gain wisdom from other godly men, right? Mm -hmm. and, and godly women, right? You, you can surely look at people who fear God in truth and learn from them, but you should never follow them like as you should follow Christ, yeah. right? God calls us to disciple people, right? But again, if you're in a discipleship relationship with somebody and they're calling you to be loyal to them, you need to run away from that person. Yeah. You need to get away from them quick. Same thing with a pastor. If you go to a church and the pastor essentially has a bunch of people who love him and it's yeah. all about him, you need to get out of that church because you don't have a godly pastor there. Yeah. Not according to the scriptural standard. Right. I mean, is that not just obvious by what we just read? <laughs> right? Right. Uh, you need to get out of that church. You need to leave that relationship that you're in if that person is telling you you need to be loyal to them. Yeah. And not Christ. Right. Okay? Because they're all, dude, the ground is level at the cross. Yeah. And you also should be very wary of any church or any pastor that would 
tried to um, fit Christ into culture or utilize cultural norms um, as a, a means for wisdom. Um, also, for any pastor that would um, uh, water down the truth in order to appease culture, um, that seems like a smart idea, clever idea to, to not lose people. But essentially, you're not being faithful to God and leading people astray in doing so. That the Word of God has to be the primary and only standard of truth. And when we're wise in our own eyes, even as a Christian who wants to try to have a syncretistic mm-hmm. um, theology, meaning, well, we, we can love God, but we can also love the world. The Bible is very clear that's not true. And is just as wrong as not loving God at all, mm-hmm. right? To have no other gods before me, mm-hmm. the, the Bible would say. And so all these things are are warnings for us as we read here what's happening with the Greeks in, in Corinth. We also have to, we can take that principle and apply that to our culture today because the same things they were struggling with, wisdom of the world, worldly thought, sexual immorality mm-hmm. their version of of it of uh, sexual immorality was a worship of aphrodite the mm-hmm. goddess of love and they had uh priestly prostitutes yeah. uh, at the temple that people would sleep with and debauchery and um sexuality was very prevalent in this culture our version of that is pornography adultery mm-hmm. orgies things like these um a lot of the TV shows mm-hmm. that are out there, movies, you know, that's our version. It's the same thing. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing as still worshiping ourselves through our lusts, mm-hmm. through um, self-help, you know, type of mm-hmm. idealisms. All those things we need to be very wary of for the same reasons that Paul's warning yeah. those here in Corinth. So to sum it all up, what Paul is effectively telling the Corinthians here is that they have everything they could possibly need in Christ. They have been enriched in every way. Uh, They don't need to place their hope in another person. Mm -hmm. Even if that person preaches Christ crucified like Paul and Apollos both did, they do not need to idolize their pastor, another way of saying it, right? Or whomever they seem to be listening to the most. They don't need to idolize those people because those people have nothing to offer them other than Christ. Um, They are sinners along with you, right? Sinners saved by grace. And so Paul is exhorting the the Corinthian church to follow Christ and and specifically to be um, okay with the simplicity of the gospel. Mm -hmm. We don't need to make it an intellectual pursuit, okay? That is a Greek idea. Paul is saying, I didn't come to preach the gospel with eloquent words of wisdom. I came to preach it straightforward so that the cross of Christ may not be emptied of its power. Uh, He's going to go on to repeat that throughout the rest of the book many times. But the last thing that I want to leave all of us here with is the one of my favorite portions here that Paul ends this section with. He says, for consider your calling, brothers and sisters. Mm -hmm. Not many of you were wise by according, according to worldly standards. Not many of you were powerful. And not many of you were, were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish or moronic in the world to shame the wise. <laughs> God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even the things that are not, to bring to nothing the things that are, 
so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. I'll leave it there. Mm -hmm. If you find yourself desiring to look intellectually superior, if you find yourself following self-help manual after self-help manual after self-help manual, and you're a Christian, just know none of that stuff has any eternal value. And in fact, it is doing damage to your soul because it wages against, it wages war against the wisdom Mm -hmm. of Almighty God. Yeah. We'll leave you with that. We hope that the truth encourages you. And we thank you for listening to another episode the Nehemiah Project Podcast. We'll talk to you soon. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Nehemiah Project Podcast. For more resources about addiction recovery, suicide prevention, and overcoming other life-controlling issues, you can follow us on Facebook and Instagram and visit our website, tnproject.org. If you or someone you love is struggling, don't hesitate to reach out to us by calling 985-205-3022.